0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 9 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us and we appreciate that. I am your host Frank Santos, aka my mom's favorite son who will never be seen at 2am taunting 7 foot NBA players. And I have my co-host with me today, Andy Flynn. Flynn, what's good?
1: Hey, I want to give a shout out to Bradley Beal for being so generous as to let a role player break his ankles.
0: Who is that role player?
1: Uh, Corey Joseph Killed him.
0: Oh, yeah, on the last play. Yeah, he did kill him. Uh, Killed him. All right, so we are going to get into our our show today. Um, As usual, we are going to go with our weekly segment while you were watching TNT, and then we are going to play a couple of other games. Last week we talked about who we didn't believe in, and this week we're going to go the opposite. We're going to give some apologies to uh, people we didn't believe in and maybe are proving us wrong. But we will start off, as we do every week, with while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Phoenix Suns, who had um, went over 3 <laughs> while we were watching them on a four-game losing streak currently overall. And they were at the Spurs versus the Pelicans at home and versus the Warriors at home. And I am going to admit it now. I picked this team, and I, I messaged Andy to to be on record. I picked this team last week because I had a feeling that they were going to beat the Warriors and end the streak and, wow, well, they didn't come close at all. It was over within, like, nine minutes of the game. So, Andy Flint, how many Phoenix Suns games did you watch, and what were your impressions? Uh,
1: I watched the Golden State game. Uh, horrible. Um, And I watched the Pelicans game. The Pelicans game was a good game. I did not catch the Spurs game, though.
0: Yeah, I, I caught the second half of the Spurs game. That was another one where the final score, even though it was, I think it was relatively close. I don't remember offhand. It was either, yeah, it was either a six-point game or a fourteen-point game. So I know those are two very different things. But <laughs> it wasn't as close as it seemed. The Spurs really, they they had control of the game. So it was a bad week for the uh, Suns. But uh, give me give me some thoughts. All
1: right, let me. I'm gonna. I want to hit you guys with a, a few of the good thoughts first. A few of the positive things I saw because. At the end of the day, there weren't a ton of them in a three-game losing streak. Well, we can probably throw out the fact that they're actually on a four-game losing streak. Uh, they lost to the yeah. Pelicans, actually, the game before we started watching. Um, and Jesus, I dig through these notes. I have way too many notes. Um, I, I think Brandon Knight, obviously, is probably the strongest point I can make, um, while Bledsoe's playing very good, too. I, I think a lot of people didn't really expect Brandon Knight to ever reach the level of of play he's gotten to so far with the – sons and so I obviously think that he's probably their their brightest point in this three-game losing streak but uh you know John Lohr played actually you want to hear something funny about John Lohr is John Lohr is actually referred to by their color guys as Johnny Buckets I almost threw up we've got to stop calling everybody Buckets Just, (laughs) just because you have a first name doesn't mean your next name just to be Buckets but I think you know they're they're a top five in the league in fast break points, which is huge, which is what you would expect from Bledsoe and Brandon Knight. But they've, I mean, they've got to get more. Tyson Chandler's been banged up. Without him, they look like they can't play a shred of defense. And I I just, I don't know. I'm, after watching these guys lose two games out of three and they've lost four in a row, I'm kind of starting to regret my picking them to make the playoffs. What did you think, Frank?
0: Yeah, you, you did that as well when, when we talked about the Utah Jazz. You even picked the Jazz then, and now you're, you're reaffirming that by picking the Suns, the, by not picking the Suns. So,
1: it was a hard week to watch no- Yeah,
0: it, it, it was pretty tough. But I actually have a lot of positive things to say as well. Uh, the first thing I noticed is not a positive thing. I think the Talking Stick Resort Arena, which is the name of their home court, and the Smoothie King Arena need to have, which is the Pelicans home court, need to have a steel cage match for the Corny Name Championship. I mean, that is an awful, <laughs> awful name for an arena. It was just, I was... I watched the game, I was like, that's not real. That's not the real name. And then it, it indeed was the real name. But, you know, they paid for it, so we say it. And I think on a positive note, top to bottom, possibly might be the most talented team in the league. I mean, they're like ninth, 10th, 11th man, or guys that have talent in this league, like a guy like T.J. Warren, Mirza Sledovich, even a like guy like Archie Goodwin, who is like one of those guys that will bounce around the league for 13 years because he has such natural ability that somebody thinks they're going to be able to make him into a, a like a caliber NBA rotation player. But maybe they're not. The problem, which we talked about in the preseason, is they have all these pieces and they have all this talent. I'm just not so sure how they fit together. And that brings me to the point of Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe. And watching them play together, which the Spurs game, Bledsoe was out. And then so I, I mostly watched the Warriors game, and they were playing together obviously that game. It's it's beneficial in the sense that because they're the fastest paced team in the league, either one of those guys can be the outlet pass and then the other guy can fill the wing position and they sort of have the same abilities, you know, they can both they're both high flyers so they can both go to the rim and finish at the rim or they can both hit the three if they want to spread out and do that way on the fast break. So it doesn't matter who has the ball in, in that in that perspective. But they just they do such they have such duplications on the court and I'm just—I'm still not sure. I had the same question preseason, and I'm still not sure how they—they they work together at the backcourt. I don't know. What, what do you well, think? Do you think they work together?
1: I, I think it's fun to watch. Actually, that's one thing I have on my note here in, in caps: fun to watch. I mean, there, I, even during the the Golden State game, which was kind of a joke. Um, also, shout out to—we so need to play a new game. Is like, do we predict a team to beat the Warriors, or do we just pre- uh, predict that a team can push Steph Curry to play in the fourth quarter? At this point, I mean, it's a joke when he's not even playing in the fourth quarter, but I don't know. I saw Bledsoe and Knight kind of get into a mode, and I, I saw it in the Warriors game where they it, it almost seemed like they thought that they were just going to outscore Clay and, and Steph. Because and there were some points where, you know, Curry, Curry makes ridiculous shots, and he just makes it look so easy, but then they go back down the other end, and Bledsoe tries the same thing Curry just did, and it doesn't work. I mean, it's like when I put on a headband and go try to imitate LeBron James down at the park. Sorry, uh, Eric so no disrespect. But I think, to me, the biggest thing is that the Tyson Chandler thing hasn't worked at all.
0: I, I mean, yeah,
1: he's been banged up. But even when he's playing, it, it doesn't – he doesn't seem like Tyson. I don't know if he's hit a wall or if he just doesn't work with this team or maybe a little of both. I, I, he's got to be, like, 33 at this point. So I, I, I just don't know that you're right. They do have a lot of – parts that I'm unsure if they ever fit together. You have PJ Tucker out there every once in a while. He takes a guy hard off the dribble, scores a bucket, and then you don't hear for him or hear from him for ten possessions. I, I just I don't know. Uh, you have Keith out there. He does some nice things, but yeah, you're right. Nothing really seems to gel with these guys.
0: Yeah, and uh, you mentioned you mentioned Steph Curry, and I just want to I want to give a quick shout out, but also an R.I.P. to Ronnie Price because I give you props for trying to pick up Steph Curry. You know. Full court. I mean that that is admirable. It's an admirable thing to try to do. <laughs> but, but then when you just get your ankles broken again and again, and you just get embarrassed, and on highlight reels, maybe two or three in the same half. I mean, it, it might be time for an RFP shout out. I mean, you can talk to Brandon Knight. He'll he'll teach you how to come back from the dead because he did it against DeAndre Jordan. But <laughs> shout out to Ronnie Price because it was a brave move. It was a brave move, and it, but it didn't pay off. But but shout out to you. And then he actually. I can't even give props anymore. Like, I can't give <laughs> props then, to you, Yes. The best part of Roddy Price is that on the next possession, he tried to pull a Steph Curry and like go behind the back and shoot a three, and then he airballed it. It was a really, it was really Roddy Price. You can't do Um,
1: what Steph does. They got to stop. Stop trying to. It's it's bad. I mean, I I don't understand these guys, and I I do get it. I I can't say I don't understand. I do get a little bit that like if if somebody's getting at you on the court, like. You want to, you know, you not only want to be able to win the game, but you want to go give it back to the guy, especially if it's the guy you're guarding. But, I mean, it, you're talking guys, Steph Curry and KD and, and LeBron James and these guys, you just don't get away with that stuff. Yeah, when the
0: guy you're guarding is Steph Curry, you just got to take that out on that. So... <laughs> The the other thing, which you said you run up Tyson Chandler's age, the other thing I noticed about this team is how young they are. They have 12 guys in the league with five or or fewer years in the league. That's a little skewed because Toledovic is, you know, a Euro guy, so he came over late. And then Sonny Weems sort of, like, roamed around Europe, I think, for maybe five or six years, so he's a little older. But, you know, Eric Bledsoe has five years in the league, and he's, like, the senior citizen on on this team aside from Tyson Chandler. So, you know, when you think about that, it does make sense sort of the chemistry thing where like you have a bunch of young players, sometimes they don't really know how to mold into a team as much as a, as a veteran team might. So I'm hoping, you know, if they can keep this core together, they might turn into something special. But right now, like, like, I think the the main story, the main storyline of this team is just, they don't really fit together right now. And in the West, I don't think you can afford, even though the West is not as good as advertised, I think we can safely say at this point in the season, but still, I think you need to have some sort of identity and some sort of chemistry in order to succeed in the West, even in a weaker Western Conference. So I agree with you. I'm not sure I see the the, the playoffs for this team.
1: And shout-out to the Eastern Conference real quick on having five teams with double-digit wins while the West only has four. I know that's not a perfect science, yeah, it, but it's weird to look at.
0: I told you last week we got the Cavs, and then we have like nine or ten Average teams, you know, like nine or ten forty win teams. So shout out to them. So do
1: you have I any think some of these Western. The I don't have any closing closing thoughts on the Suns. So I have some closing closing thoughts on the Western Conference. I think sure. a couple of these teams are going they're going to hit these Eastern road trips and they're just going to beat the hell out of some bad teams. We'll see some of these West <laughs> that, teams rise soon.
0: That probably that probably will happen. You you're probably right. Maybe the uh the early Western Conference struggles is the fact that they haven't played enough Eastern Conference teams yet. So I wanna close with a question on, on the sun. So I think we can safely say, and I don't think it's really much of a discussion at this point, as long as you have Steph Curry next to an average shooting guard, he's gonna be the best they're gonna be the best backcourt in the league and Clay Thompson is an above average shooting guard at, at the worst, even with his struggles this season. So I think we can safely say that the Splash Brothers are the best backcourt in the league. But I think Eric Bledsoe Bledsoe and Brandon Knight, aside from everything we talked about, they are both very, very talented players in this league, and them together as a backcourt is dynamic. So do you think they're in the discussion for, like, the second best backcourt in the league? Like, you know, with guys like DeRozan and Lowry and uh, Beal and Wall. Do you think Brandon Knight and Eric Bledsoe deserve to be in that talk?
1: Yeah, no, I do, and I think people are people are always going to try to take away from them by pointing to the fact that they're essentially the same position. I know people are traditional enough to not like that. Well, it doesn't really count because they're both point guards or they're both small shooting guards or however you want to lump them into a package. But absolutely, I mean, and they're both they're both. I mean, it's noteworthy that they're playing their best basketball now, especially Knight. Like it's it's kind of getting scary because I'm kind of thinking to myself, how good is Brandon Knight going to be? I remember everybody hated that draft. Uh, aside yeah. from Kyrie, but I always kind of, I always thought Knight had something to him. He would, you know, what Knight's problem was is he always made some really dumb mistakes, and he still kind of does that. But he's balling, man. He's got a shot. His, I talked about him last week. He was my fantasy guy. I think he was making over three threes a game. I mean, it's it's a lot for a player like him.
0: Yeah, I, I do, and I agree. We're gonna we're gonna close with that. I agree that they should be in the discussion. And my answer to your question, how good is Brandon Knight going to be? My answer is better than Michael Carter Williams. So that was a dumb trade,
1: but we're going (laughs) to move
0: on to our next. Yeah, we're going to move on to our next segment. And last week we played a game of. Well, we don't believe you. You need more people. And if you didn't think that was a a good segment, Jay Z, then uh, you made it a hot line. We made it a hot segment, so deal with it. And but this (laughs) week we're going to go the opposite direction, and we are going to. Apologize. To, you know, we make a lot of preseason predictions. We, t- I told you in episode one that Andy and I, you know, even though we do our homework, we try our best to research. We also happen to be idiots, so you know, occasionally we get some things wrong. So, uh, Agent J from Men in Black is just gonna gonna help us apologize.
1: Sorry, y'all. It was an accident. Sorry.
0: So, Andy, who who do you who do you owe an apology to? I know I know you. I know I owe quite a few. So, uh, I, I'm curious who you owe an apology to.
1: I mean, I'm getting tired of sending out all these letters, copying down all these addresses. I mean, I got my, my little stamp thing out so I don't have to, to lick all the stamps in the envelopes, the little wetter there. I mean, it's, it's it's crazy. I made a lot of mistakes. I think the biggest one is the, the team that I thought was going to be a joke or however we labeled that in the East, that's the Knicks. I still don't think they're a great team, but I think that they're playing a ton better than I, I thought they were. I thought they'd probably have something like, three or four wins tops at this point. And I think they have eight. Yeah, yeah. They're currently sitting yeah. in the 11th place in the East, which usually sounds like you would have three wins. Um, in this case, they're flirting with an eighth seed, <laughs> a seventh seed even at this point. So, I mean, shout-out to the Knicks. Shout-out to Porzingis. We talked about him a little bit last week. I, I think, you know, there's, there's something going on. I mean, Phil Jackson was in the house, and everybody was real quick to say how good the Knicks would be. And then when it didn't work, everybody was like, oh, Phil's a bum. He doesn't have MJ or Kobe. And now it's kind of coming full circle a little bit. I mean, we're not seeing, you know, they're not a 12-win or a 15-win team. But it's it's the, the slow, the small battles. They win the small battles, and eventually this team can turn it around. I, I'm i sorry. I'm sorry, Zinger.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's a good one because I think I'm trying to remember which one of the starters, uh, the starters is an NBA podcast, and if you don't listen to them, I mean, you're just – Missing out, They're terrific. Uh, I think it was Trey Kirby picked the Knicks to make the playoffs before the uh, before the season started. Everybody laughed at him, as they should have. But I think you're right. I mean, nobody could account for the fact that they have the third coming of of Jesus Christ, which is Christos <laughs> Porzingis playing power forward. I mean, a seven a seven three religious figure. I mean, we shouldn't have picked against him knowing that. But you know, sometimes you got to convert people into believers by uh, by example, so I, that's a good one. I think is the Knicks. I owe an apology. I'm going to stay in the Eastern Conference, and I'm going to go a little further up. You're going to like the seven, eight seed. I'm going to the current two seed in the East, which is the Indiana Pacers. Because not only you did I to. clown them in the yeah, not only did I clown them in the preseason, I also clowned them three games in when they went 0 and three. I was like patting myself on the back. I think I may have said something like, "Oh, who told you they were going to be bad? It was me." So, Indiana Pacers, more specifically, Paul George. Sorry, I forgot you were a superstar. Andy tried telling me you were going to be the third best small sword in the league again this year, but did I believe him? No. Of course not. Why would I do something like that? It's not like you were on the Olympic team and, you know, had the ability to average, what, 12 rebounds or whatever the hell you're averaging now. So... Uh, Indiana Pacers, winners of seven out of their last eight, with their only loss being a one-point defeat in Chicago. Uh, this team is still doing it the way they always have, which is with their defense, and I don't know how you do that with Jordan Hill and Jan Mahimi as your your front court. I don't understand it. I don't even know how it happened. So I will admit that I have not watched many Indiana Pacers games because I didn't think they were going to be very good, but I am going to apologize, and in my apology, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to watch... Indiana Pacers basketball. I'm going to watch at least two games this week on top of our homework assignment if it's not the Indiana Pacers. And I'm going to figure out what I was wrong about. So, I mean, Paul George is a superstar. And and I'm sorry. I slept on you like Ronda Rousey in the second round. My bad, PG-13. Your nickname still stuck, kind of sucks. It's not really a good nickname. But my bad anyways. I apologize.
1: And noteworthy, you i watching this Grizzlies-Philly game, we'll be talking about Philly in a little while, is uh Jalil Okafor is out there trying to treat Vince Carter like he's a Boston Celtics fan roaming the streets. Uh, you know, the the Pacers thing I saw coming, I figured you were going to be apologizing to the Pacers. And I didn't really think they were going to be any good either. I mean, I figured Paul George would, you know, kind of be doing the things Paul George is doing now. I didn't know if I expected him to be full beast mode, but it, it's happened. You know, the one thing I will say, here's a, here's a good question. I want to get your take on this. Paul George, you talked about the guys he's playing with, uh, you know, Jordan Hill, George Hill, these guys, things of, of that nature. Do you think it's easier for a guy like a Paul George, just because of his game, the way he plays, do you think he's an easier player to to rally some Legitimate bums and make a winning roster than say a guy like a James Harden or even like a Russell Westbrook, great players. Obviously, you know, players in the same discussion as Paul George when it comes to talent and ability. But I, I just wonder if Paul George's game is easier to to win with bad players than than a James Harden or a Russell Westbrook. What do you think? Um, I think it's
0: well. I would say yes because I think Paul George is a guy that other players like to play with more than. More so, I mean, Harden, you can tell that the Houston Rockets, just as an overall team, just don't like playing with James Harden because you get in the ball, he holds on to it for 15 seconds, and then you're just standing around watching him play basketball, you know, one-on-four. Russell Westbrook is a little, can be a little like that, especially when he gets into, like, I call it YOLO mode. Like, sometimes Russell Westbrook just decides he's going to shoot 40 shots in that game and you're not going to be able to do anything about it, especially when KD's out. And I don't think Paul George has it. In him, I think Paul George has the opposite problem, where sometimes Frank Vogel has to be like, "Paul George, you're the best player on this team. We need you to take shots and score and and be that guy." So I think, especially when Lance was on the team, you know, he would sort of struggle because he's always he does seem to have that LeBron James where he is more of a facilitator and kind of wants to get his teammates involved. And in doing that, I think he is more fun to play with. So I would I would agree with your assessment. I think he is more fun or is easier to rally around because I think guys like playing with a guy like Paul George who not only does everything I just said but also he really turns it up on the defensive end I mean he arguably right and I saw this I think Frank Vogel said it called him the best two-way player in the league and I think he is arguably one of the best two players in the league or best two-way players in the league I think it's between him LeBron and Kawhi Leonard I think one of those three is, is definitely the answer so when you have a guy like that that tries on the defensive end and is, is fun to play with on the offensive end because he is a facilitator, I, I think the answer to your question is absolutely. I think he is easier to rally around.
1: It's just always interesting to me because you get these really talented players, and sometimes it's like I feel like I love Westbrook. Obviously, I mean, I'm his agent. I'm his best friend. I'm his go-to guy, <laughs> probably his best man someday. But what I'm saying is, is without KD and with Westbrook putting up huge numbers, they drop games. I mean, and we're and we've, we're seeing it with Houston this year with Harden. So it's weird to me that Paul George can just have a team so void of talent and and it just comes together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know who's not going to be Russell Westbrook's best man at his wedding is uh, Reggie Jackson, apparently, <laughs> because they were just throwing, <laughs> yeah. KD just throwing like, shots at him after that game.
1: Who? He's not allowed. <laughs> he's not allowed to walk the street to OKC. I mean, ugh.
0: yeah. He's got a no-fly zone in OKC now. So we're going to move on and play our back by popular demand is the game of assist or turnover. As you might know, a pass can only end one of two ways in the box scoring the NBA, the good way, assist, or the bad way, turnover. So this is our sort of spin on buy or sell. We play a game of assist or turnover. And our first one is about two struggling teams, one of which we already mentioned. It's time, assist or turnover, Andy, it's time for the Wizards and Rockets fans to panic.
1: I think it's definitely an assist for both clubs. I'm not even going to try to separate them and explain it different ways. Uh, the Wizards, to me, the the easiest way to, to say this is the fact that we've talked about all show and we talked about last week how the East is not necessarily – it's still the little brother, but maybe it's the middle brother rather than the youngest of the three or however many you have in that family tree. I, they're getting better. And the fallbacks, you know, they're six and eight. They've lost four in a row uh three of seven over the last 10 games. They're, you know, three and five at, or they're, I'm sorry, they're three and four at home, three and four on the road. It doesn't really look like a different team. I saw them, I watched the first game against the magic to open up the season and the magic pushed them. I mean, that was a, a game that came right down to the wire. So this is supposed to be a team that is top of the totem pole. As far as the East goes, one of the top three or four teams and they've fallen flat. The Rockets, hot mess, same thing, except you're falling behind in the Western Conference, which when the, everything, you know, shakes out, it's it's going to be the tougher conference. I think both these teams are in trouble, full-on panic mode.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you made most of, most of my case. I'm also going assist on this one. I just think the Wizards have no identity because they're trying to basically mold into this new NBA small ball thing, and they really – their team isn't really designed to do that. I mean, when you have Nene and Gortat and – When you're trying to turn Chris Humphreys into your stretch four, into your Draymond Green, quote-unquote, I mean, it worked out just as well as you would think it would on paper. So, and for the Rockets, I mean, we just went over the Rockets a little bit. They just have sort of an identity problem where the Ty Lawson addition just doesn't look like it's going to work out, especially with him in the starting lineup. He could be, and a lot of people have brought this up. I think Matt Moore of CBS Sports brought this up, is, you know, Ty Lawson's best spot might be, you know, as the sixth man or sort of like the guy that leads the second unit for 20 minutes a game. But I don't see Ty Lawson as the guy with that kind of ego to be able to do that thus far in his career and his uh, lifestyle choices off the court. So I just don't know how well that's going to work out. So assist, I think it's definitely time to panic. So we have two, our two next questions are dedicated to, you know, one of the best teams in the league, the Philadelphia 76ers. Okay. Uh, So, a sister turnover. This and we have good perspective on this because Andy and I I's rooting interests, we have seen a lot of bad basketball teams. So a sister turnover, Andy. The seventy Sixers the twenty fifteen seventy sixers are the worst team you've ever watched play basketball.
1: They are. I they, you know, the only thing I was thinking is I'm looking over these teams that have been traditionally or has been historically bad and the Sixers were really bad in seventy two, seventy three season, like nine and seventy three. I don't quite think they'll be that bad because just like I didn't think the Warriors were going to win over 70 games. I think it's so hard mathematically. But I, I think they might be between 10 and 15 wins this year. Yeah, they're, I think they're the worst team I've ever gotten to witness in my life.
0: So I had a really so tough that's, time. So, with so that's this an one assist. Because, Sorry. Yeah, I had a really, really tough time with this one. because So I ended up going turnover just because, as a net fan, I watched, and, and I I attested this and I was swear by this even though I shouldn't, I watched all 82 games of the 12 and 70, <laughs> 2009 New Jersey Nets. So I have I maybe a little bit of a bias towards how bad they were just because, you know, with the 76ers, because they're not my team and because I have league pass I can easily just not watch them or just watch a quarter or just watch maybe one game and then watch another game to sort of like blank my memory of what I've just seen, especially because they play early so I can watch you know, a 76ers game and then I can watch the Warriors play at 1030 and it's like the 76ers game never happened. So I watched all 82 games of the 12 and 70 Nets and they were putrid. I mean, just really bad, like a key on dueling Bobby Simmons show. So I, listen, I'm going turnover. I, the 2009, 2010 Nets are the worst team I've ever seen play basketball. And that, that, I don't think that's ever going to change for me. So the the next question is maybe a little bit of a more realistic scenario. So. A sister turnover, Andy. The seventy sixers will win a game before the Golden State Warriors lose a game.
1: Oh, so, I I'm going turnover. <laughs> I think Yeah, it it's a turnover. I, I don't know, I'm watching this game right now and it's sorta of close with the Grizzlies. It's it's a eight point game. Philly's down, but it's just like every I, the thing with Philly that really kills me is they can it's like they could put on an, any guy on their roster. And they could throw a uniform on him and have him go out there, and he might get 20 points. If you're playing <laughs> basketball like that, I, I just don't think that's conducive with winning. And it was like this a little bit last year too, but at least last year, like there was—I don't know—there was some sort of cohesive uh, cohesiveness to this team. And this year, it's just—it's not there. I, I feel like. They're trying to do too many different styles of basketball at once, and they have all these young pieces, and it just it doesn't work. I think they need to get they need to clean house. They need to to figure that whole thing out from the top to the bottom of their, uh, you know general manager, president, stuff like that. Coach, they need to get the right pieces in there because it's going to take a certain kind of staff to to really make the decisions that need to be made because you can't keep all these players. I mean, we obviously saw them get rid of Michael Carter Williams real early and he was You know, obviously turned over again and, and sent elsewhere, but it's it's nuts.
0: So I had a hard time with this one. I am also going turn over just because, but the only reason why I almost didn't, I almost went assist is because their next game um, December 1st is the Lakers at home. And I think that is a, such a winnable game that I feel like they might pull it off. And then the Warriors have an East Coast road trip, and I feel like the streak is going to end somewhere in that road trip. But then again, I don't really have confidence in the 76ers to win that game against the Lakers, so I'm going to turn over. Uh, So we are going to move on to the end of our show, and our last segment, as always, is going to be the Fantasy Basketball Stud and Scrub of the Week. Andy, who is your stud of the week in Fantasy Basketball?
1: My stud of the week is one Kawhi Leonard, of the San Antonio Spurs, I don't feel like he needs much of an entrance. Kawhi's um, been killing it. He's plussed up on everything. I mean, he's averaging 22 points a game, two assists, and just about eight rebounds. But the last week is he's just been a man on fire, shooting over 60 percent from deep. Wow like how do, you, how, do you, how do you do that? You required, and I mean, he's taken you're you're talking he's taken like five four or five shots a game. He stayed about four shots a game, and he shot – I mean, he was three for three, two for four, four for seven, one of two. I mean, it's just – it's been amazing to watch. And he, obviously his defense doesn't necessarily translate on the – on the uh, end of the fantasy. But one one of those games, he gets five blocks, four steals, seven wow. assi- seven assists, and seven re- – or six assists, seven rebounds to go along with 25 points.
0: Stat- yeah, so suffered. I w- – yeah, the, the, uh, the Spurs crushed Denver. Um, on the road with, like, no Duncan, no Manu, and Lamarcus playing each minute. So that's just those Spurs. My stud is James Harden. Uh, he only played two games this week, but he averaged 45 points in those two games, and that's pretty good, especially since the future Rockets needed every one of his 50 points to beat the winless Sixers at home. So that's what I'm going with. Andy, <laughs> scrub of the week.
1: My scrub of the week, and this hurts me again almost as much as the Victor Oladipo one from last week, but I'm going with Dennis Schroeder. And I'm more oh, so going to pick one on one. him a little bit because he jumped out at the beginning of the year. Obviously, he's not your typical starter. He plays behind Teague or sometimes alongside. But he, he jumped out to a, a good start and was one of those guys a lot of people were picking up in their leagues, and now he's, he's fizzled this last week tremendously.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. My scrub of the week is Chris Humphreys. So two scoreless <laughs> games this week, two zero goose eggs, and you're starting you're – starting, uh, person in this league. Oh, wait. No, you're not because you lost your starting job this week as well. So you're definitely a scrub. Hashtag long live the Kardashian curse. And I actually spelled <laughs> the curse with a K because I'm I'm petty like that. So uh, we are going to end the show. Uh, tune in next week from 6.30 to p.m. We will take you on our journey again across the NBA. Andy, who is our team for next week really
1: quick? Our team for next week uh, is the Indiana Pacers. I said that before. You were oh. talking about them too.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought of you're it. You totally – you knew you knew it was coming. You know me too well. So we're going to end with great <laughs> philosopher Jason Williams, who once probably thought basketball is like left, at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without lifting. And with that, we bid you a good night.